Welcome to NoSpinHomilies.com. I invite you to join me to reflect upon the homilies of Father Dan. Father Dan will challenge us to open our heart, mind, and soul to the Word of God. Father Dan will draw upon sacred scripture along with art, literature, and the lives of the saints to help us grow in our love and knowledge of the scripture. In doing so, we can become the living Word of God in this world. Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. All three of the scripture readings for this weekend are incredibly rich, spiritually speaking. In the first reading, Isaiah talks about God's Word. Well, God's Word is always effective. It affects what it says. Go to the story of creation. God said, let there be light, and there was light. By God's very Word, it has the power by which it creates. In the same way, at the time of the Last Supper, Jesus said, this is my body, this is my blood. Well, in doing so, he's consecrating the bread and the wine into his body and blood. And so what God's word says comes to be. Notice in that first reading, Isaiah says, Just as from the heavens the rain and the snow come down and do not return, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. My word shall not return to me void, but shall do my will, achieving the end by which I sent it. So, what does God's word affect? Well, life itself. And why does God create? Well, because of love. And essentially, God, his love is diffusive of itself. It gives itself away. Say, for example, you're in a good mood. You're just bubbling over. You know, you're so very happy. Well, you want to share that joy with others. Well, that's what God's love is like. God's love is pure love. It's diffusive. It spreads over the entire world, over us. And so God's word goes forth and creates life because of God's love for us. Now, with that in mind, turn to the gospel. Here, Jesus is trying to teach us just that. Now, first, before we dive into the gospel, we have to understand Matthew's gospel in of itself. Essentially, it's divided into sections. For example, chapters 5 through 7 are the Sermon on the Mount, essentially God's blueprint of Christianity and how we are to live the Christian life. Chapter 10 is one in which Jesus is sending the apostles out on their first mission of evangelization. Chapter 13, which we begin today, Jesus describes the kingdom of God in parables. And so today is the very first parable that Jesus uses. Now, all these parables have to do with the kingdom of God. And the first four of the parables talk about the development or the growth of the kingdom. Now, notice how it begins. It says, Jesus went out of the house and sat down by the sea. Well, stop right there. Jesus, he essentially goes out of the house and he's preaching in the open air. And so Jesus symbolically is preaching to all the nations. He's preaching to the entire world. 
We are all meant to hear these parables. Next, it says, he sits down. Well, that's exactly what he did on the Sermon on the Mount. It's the posture of a teacher in the ancient world. And so, essentially, the students would sit at the feet of their master and listen to his instruction. Now, in the Gospel for today, we hear the parable of the sower and the seed. And here, the story, we've, I'm sure we've heard it many times, but it's important to essentially focus on the details so that we can apply it in our own life. Now, the first thing that we have to understand, the seed in this parable is the Word of God. And the Word of God is Jesus Christ himself. How so? Well, turn to John's Gospel. Notice how John's Gospel begins. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Well, Jesus is the Word that wants to take root in us, just like this seed. And so, therefore, Jesus is the seed in this parable that is sown far and wide in many different ways because Jesus is destined for the entire world, not just a small corner or population of the world. And so, in this parable, the sower is essentially God the Father, who sows the seed of his Son into this world. Next, it says, The seed fell on the path, and the birds came and ate it up. A good number of people throughout this world have at least heard this gospel passage or this parable, and they know who Jesus is, and yet it doesn't take root in them because they don't understand our faith give you a good example of what Jesus is referring to here. I once had a friend in high school, and I took him to a Badger football game. He didn't really know that much about football or the rules or how the game is played. And yet, we sat down, and it was a big game against a rival. Now, the game was very exciting you know, for those people that understood the game, like me. Essentially, you were easily drawn into the excitement of the game because, you know, what we get out of it, we know the rules, we know how things are played, and we know what's at stake if the Badgers win. Now, my friend in high school, he really didn't get much out of it. In fact, he wasn't enjoying the game at all. Why? Because he didn't understand how the game was being played. He didn't know the rules. He didn't know what was at stake. Well, apply that in the spiritual life. If we don't understand God and and his ability to be in our life, then we're not prepared to receive his word or Jesus Christ. Now, the Israelites, they were a people that were prepared to receive Jesus because they were sent prophet after prophet. They established covenant after covenant with God, and therefore they were prepared to receive Jesus. Look at Jesus. He's born as an Israelite. And so, why did the word come to the Israelites? Why did Jesus come to the Israelites? Because they were by the means in which the word, Jesus Christ, could be understood and received by the entire world. Now, it's pretty sad. A Pew Research Pew came out just a few years ago, and it basically told us that Catholics were the second religion 
next to the Jews in their ineffectiveness in passing on religion and our religious traditions to the next generation. Now, I don't know about you, but I consider that very frightening, that the Catholics are second only to the Jews in passing on our faith and being ineffective in doing so. I've said many times, the Catholic faith is one generation away from extinction. If we don't teach our faith to the next generation, to our children and even our grandchildren, it'll become extinct. Well, it's happening right now. And this poll essentially confirmed that. If we don't understand our faith, then we are very inept in passing it on to the next generation. What will happen? Well, that we will be like that seed that falls on the path and immediately goes away. Now, next in the story, it says, Some fell on rocky ground where it had little soil. Well, I think this happens all the time. People get fascinated with the spiritual life. They're drawn into it by some religious experience or powerful event or maybe even a traumatic event. But because they lack discipline, they lack that keen sense of religious tradition, they lack perseverance, eventually that glow or that sense of excitement dims and fades away. See, when we take to something very seriously, it's always associated with it discipline. We see that in all aspects in life, sports, marriage, art, work, our own health. If we don't take something seriously, there's no discipline. And in doing so, essentially, when we feel like giving up, we can just explain it away. But when we take something very seriously, then we're compelled to be disciplined, whether it's exercise, practicing our faith, our work. We become dedicated to those things. And because of discipline, we become better and better, whether it's in our faith, at work, or whether it's exercising for better health. We shouldn't be surprised when people take their faith superficially and we hear them say things like, well, I go to Mass when I feel like it, or I practice my faith when I have time. Well, that's essentially this word that falls on rocky ground. Next is the seed that is sown amongst thorns. Well, it's very direct. Some people hear the word of God. Yes, they take it in, but are unable to maintain it. They become distracted with the things of this world. Well, the word of God must be the central dynamic of our life. To know the word of God, to know Jesus, should be central to our life. In order that our whole life is organized towards Jesus Christ. Now, does that mean we shouldn't engage other things in this world? No. Well, we can still study art and architecture and music and history. All those things are good. But Jesus Christ, the Word of God, should be the central figure of our life. Notice what Jesus says about this seed. He says, Worldly anxiety and the lure of riches choke this Word. So Jesus is getting at that, yes, there are lesser concerns in this world that distract us or obscure us from the primary concern of Jesus being the center of our life. A good question we have to ask ourselves, how much time do we spend worrying about things like money, work, 
our reputation, what people are saying about us? Do they play a dominating role in our life, such that we're constantly preoccupied with these things and fussing about them? Do these worldly concerns choke off Jesus Christ from us? So good, another good question we have to ask ourselves, you know, in a week, how often do we think about Jesus? You know, an hour, two hours, a few minutes a week? Jesus should be the central organizing principle in our life in order for us to truly bear fruit. Now notice the last one, the good soil. That seed takes root and it definitely grows. Well, it's the understanding of our faith, regardless of what it is, sacred scripture, art, architecture. It's what we always refer to as lifelong faith formation. The good soil is essentially discipleship, following Jesus as well as his instruction and his teachings and practicing it each and every day of our life. That's the good soil that Jesus is referring to. More to it, the good soil is marked out by a keen sense of priorities, which is Jesus Christ. He is first. And everything else in our life doesn't compete with Christ. No. Instead, it all falls in harmony with Jesus when he truly is the center of our life. See, when that happens, then the word of God truly has taken root in us, Jesus Christ. And Christ as the center of our life, now we're able to blossom, grow, and bear fruit, the fruit of being a faith-filled person. And may the grace and the peace of Jesus Christ rest upon you always.